idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Knox Monte. How is everyone doing tonight? Tonight's guest is Eric Miller. Miller, like a pirate, right? <laughs> Eric is the creator and curator of Outlet Press. He creates books of graphic strangeness and oddity. No one to hold himself to any genre. Not one to hold himself to any genre, subject or medium. Eric has created over 20 titles to date. His latest is The Disruption Generator, a randomly generated bibliomantic oracle with the Portland art religion, We the Hallowed. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, welcome aboard, Eric. This is going to be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. And, and As I are we. Be almost through the entire group, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've all been wonderful. I mean, Keeps has been a highlight for me. So, yeah, know. he's a great guy. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So this is this is great, and of course, another person from my neck of the woods out here, which is fun. That and it's interesting. I didn't. I haven't met you at all did you go to as above uh, i did not no i uh i don't really follow gordon white anymore yeah I used to. yes yeah yep that's uh something i hear a lot about Same recently here. Same here. so it's but uh, you know there were other reasons to go definitely not just that so that's probably why i didn't meet you and i'm sure keith would mention Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. He he told me about it. I just uh, between my son and my weekend job, I have I have basically no social life. So <laughs> join the club. Join the club. <laughs> Start a podcast or two. Yes, get that going. Well, hopefully, sometime soon I'll meet you. We're so close. And oh yeah. I don't get out a lot. I'm a notorious hermit. But when I do, I'm out. So. Yeah. I'm so making a meme out of that. <laughs> Let's get right into it. So give us a uh give us some of your your background, your early background and let's start in with uh in in the realm of things that you're inspired by when you were young. The things that you really got excited about as far back as you can recall. Oh man, um one of my biggest, most favorite things when I was a kid were uh, was the Muppets. I was a huge TV kid, and I just loved the Muppets and anything that was puppet related. And I love, yes, uh, you know what? Puppetry has been so instrumental in my life too. I like dolls and puppets and toys. But puppets in particular, there's something really uh, the our projection mechanism just can push forward onto them. So even like ventriloquist stuff. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like my mom was an early education teacher and she had a couple of marionettes that she brought home from her job. And I used to play with those all the time, like really creepy bird. I look back at it now and it was this insanely creepy bird with. Real feathers. They're always all kind of creepy. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What? So you had a bird and what else? Um, I can't remember the other ones. I think it, I think it was just like a, a a guy. Yeah. And I mean, beyond and beyond the puppets, it was just a lot of cartoons. Like I, anything I could get, anything I could put in front of my face. I was kind of a latchkey kid. So. I, what were I just, your so in the cartoon realm? What what were your favorites though? Um, I loved uh, Masters of the Universe. Yes. E-Man was a big one for me. And uh, not a big fan of G.I. Joe, but I like like Star Hawks and, oh, man. <laughs> X-Men. X-Men of... was around when you were good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love the, love the X-Men animated series. Mm. And that, like, that song brings me back every time I hear that theme song. No, no, I mean, no, I, no, I... no, 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 X-Men. That one? <laughs> I don't. No, I don't know. It was, like it was like a. It was like Batman a... theory. <laughs> so that's when I was a kid. Batman was. In that's reruns. what it sounded like. Na 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 na. Batman. X Men. Oh yeah. I used, I used to watch that Batman show on the Family Channel. Oh, the original one in reruns. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The nineteen sixties like uh, uh, Adam West Batman. I, oh. I love that show. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it was in reruns when I was watching it, too, and it was instrumental. I just love it. I'm so glad that it is still in reruns because it's classic, even though it's not it's not true to to that whole universe, not dark like that. But it, there's just something juicy about the, the colors and the melodrama. And oh, man, it's gay. Yeah. It's gay drama. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's actually pretty accurate to the comics of that time period. Absolutely. Yes, of the '60s. Yeah. Yeah, Batman. Yeah. Batman used to always have a smile on his face. You know? But it's it, it it's not true to like that whole noiry, uh, darker. Oh yeah, no. Kingdom Pretty Come, dark. Kingdom Come, Batman. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, a Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. Stabbing people in the face Ooh. with his battery. Let's save the comic stuff for the Bible. <laughs> Sorry, we were just getting into. I know, I'm I'm teasing. Into Eric's early early stuff. Did you? Okay, so also, do you recall being very young in any particular movie? Um, that stick out. My uh, my parents let me watch horror movies at a really young age, so I was really big into horror movies, like uh. The Hellraiser theory. Mm-hmm. I was really big on that when I was in first grade. <laughs> oh, I love that. It was, I mean, Hellraiser was scary, especially if you're a first grader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got pretty desensitized. Like, one of my one of my mo- favorite movies still is, uh, it's called The Stuff. It's about a, a health food craze that is actually like a, a parasite that takes over people's minds. I'm not familiar with this film. It's 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 a like one of the eighties like comedy horror movies. And uh yeah, it really went off of like the health food craze. Like it was a it was a yogurt like substance that people would eat and it would make them into like murderous animals. Oh, I've gotta see it. I'm the that's a stream of inquiry I'm on with this whole possession and everything that is like another edibles and all that what about so you you liked horror obviously early and i'm assuming sci-fi as well oh yeah um none of those really stand out for me though 
like I've, the alien movies were pretty big for me um and kind of in, an intersection where the critters movies the first two critters movies were pretty big yeah yeah what about what was your relationship with the natural world um well i i grew up in the middle of the woods my uh my parents have like a, a 10 acre chunk of forest that we lived in and like the nearest town was 20 miles away through the woods so i i grew up like just back in the middle of the and where where is this uh that was uh bemidji minnesota about 90 minutes away from the uh, southern canadian border yep i know right where it is <laughs> uh I, but a lot of people listening probably don't and it is it's really remote up there is it, is and, it near virginia minnesota no um a little ways away from virginia yeah other side of the state i've been to virginia I i've been so. um portaging okay up there with the mosquitoes. Yeah, oh, yeah, the mosquitoes. The, the, the state bird. State I bird. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, geez. I don't miss, I don't miss it. Uh, oh. the, really, there's actually a spooky vibe up there a lot of times, especially through, I mean, the, the summers too can be dark. The winters seem spooky in a stark way, but the summers with, you know it's rather lush and so yeah, yeah oh yeah it, the, the winters is it's just like existential dread it embodies existential dread because everything's just white and clean and cold and you know enough exposure and you're gonna be dead you know it's, it's yep <laughs> at the, like every winter you would read stories about people's heat that kicked off in the middle of the night and they didn't survive <laughs> i know i know well this is why the uh, norwegian and not the the Scandinavians in general were so comfortable when they when they settled Minnesota. I mean, it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it is it's little Scandinavia, and so, or it used to be. It's it's changing really rapidly, but that's yeah. you know I think that was one of the things was it was a familiar uh, landscape to get oh, into. Yeah. It's just so cold for so long, and then it you know crazy. So there's a lot of eerie and a lot of witchy that comes right up out of there. And mm -hmm. I I find this, just having been into your art recently and looking into the stuff you're presenting, so I can see this in your background. And so it's interesting to hear, hear your roots are here. And then also that it ties into the fact that you did like horror early on. And I hear this a lot. Uh, from these kind of upbringings so that's interesting were you raised in a particular religion uh i was confirmed lutheran uh, my <laughs> parents no are surprise both... in minnesota <laughs> yeah my parents are both lutherans i mean we didn't have a strict church like usually the only thing i really like think about when i think about church is uh like ice cream socials in the basement after service yeah like, that's I don't remember anything particularly strict or anything. I just remember lots of brownies and cocoa and happy people. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it really is different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my town had a big Catholic church, too, though. Like, there was a really large Catholic presence. But uh, I didn't, didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> and they're always at odds, too. It's 
funny. My ex-husband's family is like half Catherine, uh, Catherine, half Catholic and <laughs> half Lutheran. And they were just. That's my ex-wife's name, Catherine. It, this one of my favorite names, by the way. I think that's just such an amazing, old, beautiful, powerful name. And I love a redhead. It's a Catherine. She was. I know, Jer. It makes it extra wonderful. So, in the so so you you were having this experience with with your wooded experience and stuff. Did you build forts and all that? Were you one of those kids? I I didn't really build them. I my my forts were more found. I, yeah, I had a uh, like a nineteen sixty four uh, Ford truck. That mm -hmm. my dad had backed out into the woods, and we used that as a fort. Me and my brother did. <laughs> that and, almost sounds youper. <laughs> yeah, it was a good fort. I mean, it was pretty sturdy. Um, and you know, we used to just use like found trees and stuff like that. There's a lot of deadfall kind of turns into forts on its own. Yeah. Yep. That's great. What about? So back here in these in this kind of formative period for you, was there a sense of and since you were in horror into horror and all this, did you have any any kind of fears at the you know like normal ones or, or any kind of fears? But you know the typical is like the fear of the dark and under the bed and in the closet and all that. Oh, um, I was a I was a really easily frightened child. <laughs> Like I, I was afraid of the dark. I kind of claustrophobic, and uh, like my, it's still my worst fear is heights. Like you oh, give me, me like, you give me like <laughs> six foot up a ladder, I have a panic attack. So. But yeah, I had, I had pretty normal fears for a child. I think. I wonder how many of us Midwesterners have that, since we, you know, there's I, I don't hear that a lot from people who grew up in like Mount. The mountains I hear it more yeah. from more from i i just wonder that's like a query i have so also I, i'm so scared of heights i've never been like up to the top of the sears tower or the hancock i didn't yeah. know that jerry yeah. that you had here too yeah i don't like to fly i hate yeah, it all. yeah i'm not here. a big flyer either yeah I, uh, I force myself every once in a while to do height stuff i, I went across the uh the, the world's highest suspension bridge somewhere in the southwest and like i had to crawl across but i made it across <laughs> oh geez I, it's hard it's yeah and we can talk hours about this <laughs> so what so when you get that that first jolt of oh shit i'm high in the air not like stone high but you know <laughs> altitude wise <laughs> This is a serious question. Do you get like a little twinge in the crack of your ass, like the top of the crack of your ass? Like a yes, yes, yes. What is oh, that? What is? I that? don't know. Mine's mine's actually kind of more in my uh, my. Is it the Grundle region? I don't I don't know what it's called. Like the <laughs> the nape of your back, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely get that kind of feel. Well, that's directly. It's into you, right into your brain and your stem cell like right in your spinal column mm. I, i'm just right? real curious what that what that mechanism is because i wonder if that's somehow related to one of your chakras or kundalini nonsense or you know something like that it yeah, just makes know. me 
of like the nervous system and because then then it uh, right after that feeling i get that really sinking feeling in my stomach which i've been told is totally associated with nerve right i think the yeah. thing i'm talking about is more endocrine related oh interesting i mean i've had it right there but i always assumed it was attacked my nervous system interesting just think about walking on a ledge off of the side of a building right now and you'll feel it oh no thanks jerry <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go into therapy now <laughs> and and so in the early period here too did you do you remember being a child that was having dreams oh yeah oh yeah um i had a lot of nightmares as a kid <laughs> do you I, this is interesting do you have any recall of any of them um yeah i i remember one in particular from when i was in about first grade and um it was that i had something foreign in my body and I was talking to kids at school in the playground and suddenly wires and hooks came out of my skin and ripped all my skin off. And I was a robot. So wait, this is first grade. This is about the time you watched yeah, Hellraiser. Yeah, the Hellraiser, yeah. But I don't yeah. know why I was a robot. That's interesting. Yeah. And I used to, every once in a while, I would have like alien dreams because aliens scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. I, I couldn't even stand watching it on TV. What about aliens scared you at this period? I I don't know. I just I just got this horrible feeling whenever I saw a gray alien on TV. And like my my family every week we would tune into uh unsolved mysteries. And whenever they did an alien story, I would leave the room. I would have like a basically like panic attack and that's interesting. My so daughter on had note, the exact same thing with the aliens. She was terrified they were going to be invading any minute now. Yeah, oh, I, wow. I used to, I used to squeeze myself as close to the wall as I could when I went to bed at night because I, I had bunk beds with my brother. I'd squeeze myself as tight to the wall as I could, hoping that they would take my brother first. <laughs> yeah, there's survival for you. <laughs> yeah, because he would be easier to get. <laughs> So you have a brother, did you have, how many siblings did you have? Uh, I just have one older brother. Okay. Uh, this is also kind of the vein of this book. Had you had any experiences in what you consider your waking life that may have fallen under the alien, ET, UFO, all that kind of stuff, umbrella? Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, not when I was a kid. Um, like as an adult, I later saw like a couple things in the sky that I I couldn't under couldn't really figure out what they were, but not when I was a kid. I yeah, it was nothing really abnormal when I was a kid. Okay, I just wanted to get that since we are back back there at this period. Yeah. No, there are just on a side note though, there's a huge amount of people in the northern woods up there and of course into Canada and uh, you know, just along our northern border that's really remote across the United States that have 
these crazy experiences with these kids. And since you did grow up way, you know, up there, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised. And especially, there are a lot of reports that have come out of Minnesota up there and Wisconsin. And Yeah. Yeah, we've had a, we had a few UFO sightings in my town. Like, basically, it's like glowing orbs over the road that would follow cars every once in a while. When you were, so back there, when you were at this period, had this fear of encounter them, watching them on TV and stuff like that. What did you, how did you reconcile them? What did you think they were? Um, I, I just thought they were coming from space. I, and I they were going to eat you or that, you know, they were, they were all bad. Um, I just thought they were going to do experiments on me. And like, I, I've never been a big fan of surgical anything. Like I can't watch surgery stuff on TV still. Uh, I see skin cut open and I, I feel like physically ill. Mm -hmm. And like, even back then, I didn't even know what that stuff was. I, like, I, I would get the same feeling. It's amazing that you were able to process Hellraiser, which was really graphic. Yeah, I, I don't know if I was necessarily processing everything properly. I think I was just kind of seeing it and not knowing what I was seeing. Yeah. Plus, you may have had a clean, uh, you know, a, a good awareness of what was reality and what's not. I think so, yeah. Like that, that that was fiction made up. You knew it was fake. But the yeah, surgery yeah, is I surgery, never... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never thought the Cenobites were going to come out and get me. <laughs> well, I um, wasn't sure when I saw that. <laughs> they, they possessed, or they definitely occupied a certain space, but I had done LSD and all that before I had <laughs> Hellraiser, but then I'm a lot older yeah. than you. Uh, so, you know, for some reason, they they really, I think, in Hellraiser tapped into some deep content you know now looking back at oh, it, it's yeah. cheesy of course with the effects but it still holds up as far as uh the occult stuff within it oh yeah definitely like i think it's i think it's definitely from like the same tradition as like hp lovecraft of yeah. like a oh, world yeah. just just outside of our own that we can't see that really honestly doesn't give two shits about us yes. in general yeah Yes, and that is, that's something that's coming more to the, you know, this is what's great, too, is that idea is becoming more, uh, it's found its way into the collective, where collectively, I think we've been so in, immersed in almost this idea that we are the pinnacle of everything, and now I think collectively, we're eating a little bit of humble pie, realizing that we're teetering on the edge of just being on top of our food chain through technology only and that there's yeah. way more out there oh yeah definitely definitely i uh i lost my train of thought there thomas sheridan <laughs> has brought this up a few times about how lovecraft's ideas are now permeating the consciousness yes yeah yeah and well, I'm it, starting to I'm starting to think the uh, like the, uh, the the drop off of Christianity, and like people saying they're atheists, but I'm, I don't necessarily believe most people are actually atheists when they say they're atheists. 
but that's powering the atheist gods. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I think part of them still have that like existential dread that comes from the H.P. Lovecraft thing where it's like the universe is not necessarily a hostile, but indifferent to humanity. Well, look at the rise of, I mean, essentially the deep ones. So, you know, the octopus thing's really taking over. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much that is coming forth that, that seems like it has been laying in wait for, I guess, sacrifices and, and sacrifice doesn't have to be physical blood, right? It's, it's energy. We feed into it. Blood just represents that. Yeah. What about, okay. So back here early and then we're going to move forward. Uh, did you have, so in your dreams, you had a lot of nightmares stuff like that. Did you have anything that reoccurred? Um, not when I was a kid. No. Um, that came later. I definitely had, had had a lot later, but not when I was a kid. So let's let's move let's move forward. So with the give us an idea of give us like a short bio. So get us from you being this kid in northern Minnesota that liked horror and and then interesting stuff like Muppets and cartoons and all this to to closer to where we are now so we just get a bio of you eric um let's see um well i moved out into moved out to the portland area when i was about 30 so um what led me to move out here was a i would say a two-year like almost like a vision quest where i really limited a lot of things after following a large bout of depression caused by uh, bad brain chemistry and a ton of bullying at school. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when I was about 17, I'd, I had about a, I had a nervous breakdown, I would say is the closest proximity. And I tried to commit suicide mm-hmm. and then decided that my life wasn't really worth moving forward anymore. So I drank a lot and did a few drugs and gave my life to basically to a factory job that I worked for the next 10 years. And then I just kind of snapped out of it, spent two years doing nothing but exercising and reading books on philosophy and science and the occult and decided that I needed to get out of Bemidji and moved out here where I tried to do art. I How mean, long I, have I've you been, been doing, out here? Uh, about a decade now. So, okay, so there's a couple key things here and that are going to launch launch the stream stuff. Mm-hmm. But one of the key things is very significant was this idea that this nervous breakdown around 17, very significant age period for some people on a certain trajectory and so you know it's like the glass house shattering and so let's let's ruminate around that period for a minute if we if we may so the nervous breakdown what do you think 
caused it. And and so within the spirit of Nox Mente, do you recall any kind of stuff churning in your unconscious and your dream and the dream symbols? Do you recall dreams happening around this period? Give us give um, us a little taste of all that. The, the the dreams I remember the most, and it was it was when I started to have reoccurring dreams, is I used to I didn't sleep a lot in that time period from like anxiety and depression. But when I did sleep, I would dream about myself punching myself in the face. Like I just had dream after dream of basically beating myself up like, until my face was bloody and like were falling out. And then I'd wake up. And even when I was having good dreams, it would eventually just kind of like drift off to some sort of like physical damage happening. But, uh, and so, okay, so with that, with this content, what was going on in your outside life, your outer world life? Um, at 17, I was getting bullied a lot. Um, I was kind of a heavy kid, and I was heavy. I had a really, like, light voice, and I had a, an afro. And apparently in my school, that meant that kids needed to beat me up and tell me they were going to keep me. So, um, yeah. And Why the afro? I just have naturally curly hair. Oh, okay, okay. And I just never cut it. And yeah. so I had, like, this gigantic, like, six inches out from my head afro. Sweet. I, well, I, her, <laughs> I, I had to pay for mine. It was, you know, pissed me off. <laughs> Yeah mine, mine, yeah, mine was all natural. It, it was it was pretty epic. I miss it now because I like have no hair now. But See? I miss I, I miss that. <laughs> like I wish I had appreciated it when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, but I I actually I know these lands in which you grew up, and I I get it seriously. I still get it. Yeah. Oh, totally. They're so strange there. Uh, I mean, they're strange everywhere. And if you're anything different, a little pool. Yeah. So you're well, getting you're you're having these troubles with your uh, mm -hmm. and and some of it's spurred on by physical stuff. So like your afro yeah. because this is clear, like you're beating yourself up in these reoccurring dreams. Yeah. And so that and you know, and the teeth and, and classic stuff like uh the physical stuff is coming up within your unconscious. So how did this all lead your nervous breakdown? What did that kind of, how did that play out? Um, what ended up happening is I ended up going from being like a straight A student, really like a, like a, what you would consider like a good kid, like quote unquote, a good kid. I dropped out of school, burying um, my head. Uh, started hanging out with a bunch of metalheads and yeah yeah that's kind of when I started like smoking and drinking and doing some other stuff like I I used to like I basically steered into liquor people thought I was weird so I just said fuck it I'm gonna be weird so like, that I, so like might as well go down in to, flames like, scare people yeah. yeah exactly exactly very self-destructive 
But and so is the, is that the stuff that led to your nervous breakdown, or was it? Or, because that sounds almost no, like that was the result of. Yes, that's what I'm. That's what I was trying to get at. That's that was the direction you took. That's yeah. how all that pressure played out. Uh, I think you roboted on. Or did I robot on you? <laughs> oh, this, so people listening, I'm both in this, I'm not sure. we're both in the same area having, and everyone knows I robot a lot. So, <laughs> roboting uh, okay, so this is, this is, stuff. this is, you know, it's this kind of creates, this is where the whole consciousness thing comes, comes to fruition. We need agitation to to generate a sense of questioning outside of our own reality, and so often, you know, self, you know, people can self harm and all this other stuff, but it, it's it's what takes us to higher ground on a consciousness uh, field, and so oh, this, yeah. it very important information in your journey, and the reason why I'm interested in all this too is because I see this in your art, which I just love. Uh, so, so all right so we've got that and in this period of time with the reoccurring dreams do you recall other dreams that weren't so so once the pressure found a way out through the rebellious stuff that happened mm -hmm. what how did that change the dreamscape for you and what was going on in your inner world um I don't think it really changed that much in my inner world. I just like everything just kind of got darker. Um, because I kind of like nightmares and bad dreams and stuff like that. had kind of basically been my entire childhood. I just can't, I can't remember any. In and like that time is kind of murky for me. Like, I think I've kind of shut a lot of it out because uh, I definitely have some regrets from that time period. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I just basically had like really general bad dreams. So did the did the kind of self harming dreams where you're punching yourself all that continue through that period, or did they? Again, once you started moving into the rebellious stuff in your outer world. Um. No, I actually had those self harming dreams until I was in my mid. Okay. Like those those followed me for a long time. Okay. They got less and less frequent over time. And I don't think I've had one in probably 15 years now. Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, especially you're, you're working stuff out through art. I mean, it, yeah. it's also there. And uh, also, I have, I have a question. Uh, go on, Jerry. I have a question for you. So, in hindsight, looking back at that period of time in your life with your current knowledge of occult and, and magic and whatnot and art, do you have a better explanation for what happened? Uh, no, no, but I, I would definitely call it my dark night of the soul. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely, I, a lot of things got burned away. The 10 years between 17 and 27. Mm -hmm. And you look back on that, it's like a blur. You can't even remember that much time going by. Yeah, no, no. Most of it just feels gone. Yeah. I, for the longest time, I blamed the job I got when I was nineteen. 
because I, I started working at factories when I was 19. And like, if you've ever worked in a factory, the days go together, like, it becomes like endless. You don't know how time is passing, but it's definitely passing. Mm-hmm. It's and, like working in a casino. Yeah, basically. And I, I don't think it was all that anymore. I think part of it was just like, at this point, my brain tells me I don't really need that stuff anymore yeah. because I've kind of gotten beyond it. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Just the crack in, in your psyche to, yeah. to push you further. And so that's what's significant and important. And a lot of people, so you have this 10 years, so you move up into that Saturn return period and the, you know, the 27 club, which is so classically known. And yeah. uh, when, of course, the, the sphere of Saturn is upon you and you, you need to either change or things have been going great, you know, all that stuff that everyone knows. So yeah. this, so I also want to get back into, is there a, in this period, say, did you, and if it was before as well, did you come into the process of lucidity, of OBEs, of astral projection at all? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I've never really felt any control over it. But, and, and is that still to date? Yeah, yeah. At this point, I actually kind of don't want to have control. I kind of like the idea that my brain is going to give me some kind of show at night. Mm-hmm. We hear that a lot. I, I'm always, I like, I, I love that. I love it all. So, but yeah. that, that's interesting. And I, I'm always intrigued by that perspective. It's nice. There's something about letting go there yeah. that's to me. Well, it's weird. Like I think about it in terms of video games where um, I kind of like, but the trend towards like first person games is really like major now where people want to think that they're the player. And I think dreams are kind of the same way, but I've always liked side scrolling and stuff like that. The stuff where I'm really obviously not playing in the game. Like I just like having something that's outside of me. Like and, the omniscient view. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So move us into. So. You make this big change, which is to move out west. It's a big change. Hit from upper state. Oh yeah, definitely. So what what was going on that inspired that that just pushed you out of not wanting to do the live and die the factory life? A lot of people do up there and up in the you know, the Great Lakes area, those factory jobs were a big deal. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, it, for me, it was the the highest paying job I could get in town. Oh, yeah. When I, when I was 17, I dropped out of school. I got my GED right away, but, like, I could never have, like, a professional life because, you know, if you don't have a college degree, you end up at the factory or in my hometown, Walmart. Like, those were the two competing places you could work the factory I was working in. For Walmart, I picked the factory. And well, and that, but that's not, it's time honored thing. Those factory jobs, yeah. you know, that's stuff 
built a lot of America with all those factories around the Great Lakes and from plastics to steel, you know, I mean, it's all up there. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, people just don't understand that. I think most people just think of Detroit, but it's all along the Great Lakes. And so, so, all right, so back to this. So what's going on that pushes you out of, you know, like what makes you move? to the west all um, places um well i had a uh, i had a long-term girlfriend that broke up with me and i went into like this major tailspin again after about 10 years of like not like i, I thought i had depression pretty well under control and at that point i hit the, the biggest dip i had probably had in about five years and i was sitting alone one night and i was like I, I didn't know if I wanted to keep going or not. And just like something just clicked. And my ex left a treadmill. So I got on the treadmill and I just ran on the treadmill for two hours until my legs like hurt. And I started doing that like every single day. And I lost about 90 pounds and like I got this weird high from it and I was doing this like every day and suddenly like I decided like just one day I just I I had to start doing something differently so I started to like look around and started reading like occult books and science books and stuff like that and after two years of like holding myself up I was like I I, I couldn't stay in that place anymore because like Bemidji just had nothing to offer I I hit my limit what Bemidji as far as experience, I just had to move on. That's interesting. Once you start getting into this different level of reading, and so at this point, was there a change going on in your dream life? Um, I can't remember dreaming much at all during that period. Um. I think maybe a couple times I had like space flying dreams, mm-hmm. but beyond that, like I didn't, I can't really remember much of anything. It was like, I didn't really have any nightmares or anything like that. It was really kind of dreaming as if it was like ambient nineties techno music. <laughs> it was, it was, well, okay. it was just kind of there. Music video dreams. Well, so- yeah, basically. So, and then, so you're 40, you're not that much. So, the space flying dreams, though, what do you, do you ever recall of any details of those? No, just more of like a floating in space. Like, I just, they're pretty detailless. It's Was it you, you, your body floating in space, or were you in a vehicle? It was just me. I didn't see anything, like, surrounding me. It was just kind of more of feeling of movement that was about it and so on just on the flying thing within dreams in general do you so is that is that your experience with flying in dreams or is it that just specific to that period where you're kind of floating it sounds like it's it's just specific to that period it's like the dreams i have now are play out more like movies where it it seems like the 
main character of the dream isn't actually it's mm-hmm. like I'm watching somebody else that looks a lot like me. Do you ever encounter your reflection in your modern day dreams? Um, no, but a lot of times it's kind of third person anyways. So I, I mean, I, I don't see any mirror. And has this, so this third person experience of your dream. So when you say, say you encounter, there's a convert, you encounter something else where you're having a dream where the character you're at least observing as self is interacting with others. How, what are those? Can you explain how that all works out? Um, like lately in like the last few years, I, I basically have like, they're almost like post-apocalyptic dreams Mm -hmm. where I'm like leading my family through things. And it, it just plays out like a movie. Like, it, it's it, it's a lot like, like Mad Max movie. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more about this post-apocalyptic stuff. Is this a theme? Definitely. Definitely. My, my dreams are never... Like, the world's never quite right in my dreams. It's always, like, a little bit off and a little bit darker, a little bit worse off. Mm-hmm. Are there events that have led into this kind of content? And not in your outer world, I'm talking about your dream life. Not that I can think of. Um, so like if you find yourself in like a post-apocalyptic landscape, is there ever an explanation of how it happened that way, how it got? Um, no, not really. It just kind of this kind of like sits in in the middle of it. Like I just come into the middle of the story. Interesting. And so in these, in these uh, landscapes, what, so with the post-apocalyptic thing, what, is there a theme on what may have happened? So I'm just trying to get to a general event. And this is stuff I dig into a lot with people is, is trying to because this is a this is a theme of course we're living this in our waking life there's a lot of this talk everywhere and all that but i'm always yeah. trying to get dig dig on dig in these wells so is there like has does it look like something is there congruency with them are they always a little different oh uh, they're always a little bit different sometimes they're actually kind of zombie dream where like it's it's me and either my family or a group of people like hold up in a shelter well like things are trying to come in and get us mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's just like like i am legend where it's like like vampire kind of things that are trying to come in and basically kill us those are kind um, of zombie like too in the end yeah basically and i mean the biggest difference is sometimes yeah, we I don't survive. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've definitely had a lot of death dreams. Can, do you have any examples you can give us? Um, of death dreams? Yeah, um, where you've died in them. Uh, back when I was about, like, 25, maybe 24, 25, I had a couple of dreams one month where I got into a car accident just outside of my job. And 
saw myself bleeding out on the street and dying. Like it actually it worried me so much that I called out sick work for about a week. Oh, because wow. I was yeah, where I was I was worried I was actually going to get into a car accident and die because I had seen myself die a couple of times. I when you wake up, so like that particular dream, when you woke up, what was your, obviously, I mean, you've given us the aftermath that where it affected you and you called in sick and all that, but what was that? I'm trying to get to the deeper mood here upon waking from that. Was it one where you had to sit there and just ponder it and uh, try and recall the details? You know, what was the immediate aftermath in your waking life of um, it processing was, it? It was it was just kind of sitting there thinking on it and kind of having like this sinking feeling in my stomach. Like I, it, it felt like a premonition. It felt yes. like it was something that was definitely going to happen. Yes. And it, it, it scared me, scared the shit out of me. And I, I thought about it a lot. And especially after I, I had the exact same dream, like down to the like minutest tale of like glass on the street in my blood. Like after it happened again, it like I I I knew like in my core I knew I was gonna die in a car wreck. And so you had had that dream more than once. Yeah. And so how long ago has that been? That particular little set. Um, I would say that's a good. 14, 13, 14 years ago at this point. Oh, so that's pre Portland. Yeah. That's yeah. my qu that was just a question I was gonna ask him. <laughs> yeah, that's pre Portland. Did your did your dream stop when you moved to Portland? The bad ones like that? Yeah. Yeah, I can't actually remember having any real like <clears throat> bad, bad nightmares out here. Where were you living at that time in Minnesota at home? Uh, I had I had a uh, small trailer house that I was living in alone. On the same land, or no, it was different land. Okay, okay. I, I, yeah, it was it was a place I was renting, about like ten miles away from my parents. Were the dreams any worse? Or were the dreams there as bad as they were at home, or different, or what? They were different. They were different. The dreams in that place, like Darker. I had the death dreams there, and. The ex that I was living with there um, stopped sleeping with me because in the middle of the night a couple of times I was dreaming about something and I punched the wall. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And one time I jumped straight out of bed into the wall. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, your trailer was haunted, dude. That could be. <laughs> it, it sounds to me, though, really honestly, that this was i mean we could, there's so many woo theories too this was like where you were headed this was a timeline a trajectory that is really where you were headed and the fact that you stopped having them once you moved which was momentum to move yeah uh and do that especially you know at age 30 not surprising at age 30 with saturn return and stuff because saturn will push you to do these things uh, but that sounds like it was a projected timeline and and you were truly having a premonition of of that. Yeah. And therefore you changed. Yeah. Corset. 
Yeah. And the, the weirdest thing about that car crash dream is I did actually have a car crash in the place where I had the dream I was going to have a car crash. I just oh. didn't die. Later after the dreams? Yeah, it was later after the dreams. And I just, it was a car wreck that I, I, I spun out and ended up in the ditch. Like, I was perfectly fine. But I definitely yeah. got into a car wreck this right is... where I was going to. Yeah, this is this juicy stuff. So on the and, and that qualifies me as premonition, and uh, with the caveat of premonition of time slips and timelines and all that other woo that we won't get into right now. But that's <laughs> it's really juicy, Eric. Uh, so with this thought, have had other dreams played out in ways felt like. Um, not that I can think of, um, like, I can think of, like, maybe little snippets, like, I can't come up with examples, but I know I've definitely had a lot of deja where I've, I've either dreamed of something or thought of something, and then it played out almost exactly how I thought of it. You're like, having deja vus, what's your, right through the experience, like, the whole, the visceral experience of it? Um... Well, it's, it's kind of like a sinking feeling in my stomach. Like if I hear like a snippet of somebody talking, like somebody says something to me and I, I know I've heard it before, like I get this like this sink in my stomach, but I do usually just kind of move on from it. But it's definitely something I, I, I recognize when it happens. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't really worry me or anything. It just kind of, I, I just have this feeling that I know I've, I've in some way and ha and so with this though you have been able to tie some of them back to dreams yeah yeah some of them are definitely dreams where i i like i have a workplace dream and it seems out of place to my normal kind of dreaming and it'll be just like this conversation i'm having with somebody and then like you know a month later i'll be talking to that same person and i will recognize the conversation as if I already had it. As if we're just like both reading off a script. Does, and so this, you know, there's something about that that could also be tagged from an issue. Yeah. A little bit. Have you ever no. been what I think people consider psychic at all? Like, do you feel into the emotions of others or? able to see and and so i want to make a i want to step out here and make a caveat here some people when i ask this question think woo woo and i i want to reel this back and go back into the <laughs> the the pragmatic aspect of it where a logical person can say that well this is i look at i'm looking at all the circumstances logic that's still under that guise. So no matter how you get, if it's just looking at someone and seeing logical outcomes from their behavior, sure. But it's also considered part of the psychic senses. And so where are you in this spectrum? Um, I know I can definitely, I've, I've definitely been able to read people pretty well. Um, 
Like if I'm like directly interacting with somebody like person to person, I can usually kind of like understand them pretty well. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily consider myself like highly high on that spectrum. I can definitely get a good feel of, I've always kind of considered it kind of an empathy more than anything else. So do you derive your, your connection with this from logically, like you, you can, you know, when you're, when you're reading people and we all do that, I mean, just making judgment reading is, this is how we, yeah. We're all, well, oh, yeah. it's like sonar fat our way. Of doing it. So yeah. when you're reading someone, are you reading, are you reading their actions? Like, how do you go about interpreting the people in people in the outer world? Are you looking um, at actions? Are you looking at feelings? And you can kind of sense them going through the Jungian lens here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I, I kind of judge kind of like their demeanor in general. Like I look for like, you can usually tell if somebody's like sad but trying to hide it behind a fake smile or if somebody's like worried about something because you can see like little lines on their forehead, like micro expression and stuff. Um, like sometimes like, I kind of go by word choice. You know, if somebody's using a lot of big words, they're trying to, they're usually trying to do something. Um, I don't know. I, it's kind of like a lot, a broad spectrum of things that I kind of, kind of add up what I think, think of a person, what I think their, their plans are. But, um, and how how accurate would you say you are in general on your on your impressions of others in the outer world? And this is obviously going to be people that you encounter more than just on like line at the market. Like people you get, you know, you meet friends, you get to know. How accurate in your life have these initial interpretations been? They've been pretty accurate. I think I've been pretty accurate with that stuff. Um, yeah, usually, yeah, I can I can kind of draw out the character of a person pretty quickly, like after a few interactions. And do you do you dream of people you know in your outer world often? I do. I do a lot of a lot of friends and coworkers and just like people that I encounter on a daily basis. They they come up in my dreams all the time. So can you give us, of course, without names, but can you give us some examples of how? Um, and it can it doesn't matter how mundane, but of course I love fantastic. As well. I uh, I can remember having a dream once where I had an entirely different family with a coworker, where like I I dreamed that I had like a family life with them and. I can't remember exactly what was going on in the dream. I just remember that I had a family with them, including children that don't actually exist. But like, I dreamed that I had a family with a coworker, and it it seemed pretty real. And you know, I mean, it was just kind of during that was during my factory time, where basically my coworkers were the, like the only people I ever saw. And but yeah, that that's the biggest example that sticks out to me is that one um well let's ruminate like, on that for a second so this particular co-worker 
was it uh so first of all was it somebody that you would have done that in real life had you had the opportunity no no it wasn't even a person that i really ever thought of okay right well that's what i'm trying to get at so we can already scrap that right and it this is interesting because there's a lot to do with this whole idea of how time overlaps and overlapping timelines and all that and so how visceral were these dreams oh incredibly uh like my when i have really strong dreams they basically feel like they're real and every like i have to kind of when i wake up in the morning i have to take a breather to like just like make sure that i'm actually in the what i think is the real life Mm -hmm. see that's to me that's in my and again these lines are so blurry that's a lot of lucidity even though you're not in there like being the control master and you know yeah like the wizard of Oz, where you're allowing the dream content to go where it's gonna go but that you're having this kind of state of lucidity where you're you're viscerally experiencing this stuff and then it comes forward and you have to breathe it out um so there's awareness is what i'm saying oh yeah 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 there's definitely awareness yeah i i would definitely say that i i some of my dreams are so realistic and so visceral that i i think they're real until i i know they're not and so when you say until I know they're not, what do you mean? Well, just like I wake up into the, you know, I wake up into my alarm next yeah. to my wife. Like I wake side. up into my, 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 my life. Yeah. Yeah. The day side life. And so, yeah. okay. So, and then back, back into the session with people in the outer world. How often do you experience the characters in the dreamscape where it feels where it feels real in the sense that they're not part of your psyche where they are and and you've already said you mostly dream through like the omniscient filter yeah where they're moving themselves where they're controlling their narratives, and it's not all feeling like it's you um well like like you mean the the other people in the dream are kind of their own people like their first players too okay um actually just a few days ago i had a dream where it felt like i was basically interacting with an entire town oh give us this dream (laughs) okay um i was like the dream started i was walking through the woods and um I found this like giant uh, estate where there was just like endless stairs. And I went through this like large compound. And when I came through a gate at the end of the compound, I opened these, opened this gate and it was a Christmas parade down a snowy street, just filled with people. And they, like, I was, walking through the town like i was just like this stranger in the middle of this large like parade like i would see people with their kids and 
I talked to a few people, like bumped into people, said, excuse me, you know, stuff like that. And they all seemed pretty real. They all seemed like they were doing their own thing. And I hate Christmas, so I don't know why I would have a dream about a Christmas parade. But, um, yeah, they and, all seemed like they were pretty real. Been... Like about a week ago. So, you know, this is that these, uh, you know, mundane premonition dreams that you have had from this conversation. You know, I've pinned a couple here. Yeah. So we're moving into that season. So it'll be interesting, Eric, to see if you have like a deja vu in like a month and a half with this. Yeah. That and I, I, I very well might because I'm, I'm guessing my, I might have to take my son into something like that. I don't yeah. think there will be snow, though. You never know. Yeah, yeah. well, I know, but it, we do get it out here. It seems like we're getting it out here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so, so with this, though, with others, I want to get into some of the woo with others. So do you experience, and this, so this is where we start being outside of like human, like uh, possibly spirits or uh, other anthropomorphic things that have a certain consciousness, like I guess classically ETs or fairies or uh, monsters or intriguing beings of other kinds, nebulous things, black goo, any of that? Um, I don't, I don't. I can't think of anything that I've really thought of, like encountered consciously. Like I do every once in a while get this like feeling like there's a shadow that I see just out of the corner of my eyes that's following me. But beyond that, I don't really encounter anything. I just think that just kind of feels like something that somebody that's slightly on edge. So, so, um, so this, the shadow, let's get into that a little bit. First of all, do you, in in your day side life, life, do you? What's your experience with this kind of content? Oh, with like psychic shadows? content, shadows, oh, cryptid, uh, this whole other world being outside of what our standard form. Yeah, uh, I would like, as in, like what I what I take and like. What I read and movies I watch and stuff like that. Have you had experiences? And then also, uh, so you say the shadow through the periphery in the dream. You know, do you see shadows in your periphery in your day side? Oh yeah, yeah. I, like I, it's it, it happens every once in a while, where uh, I just get this like feeling of dread and kind of see a shadow in the corner of my eye. But then oh, I turn so it's to accompanied with. Every- of dread yeah but I, there's never anything there when i actually look and then usually that feeling just passes when i go about my day what about have you had any fantastic experiences so you'd mentioned seeing stuff by stuff that is scripted or, or any of the unusual experiences that can be had in your day side? Uh, no, 
not that I can think of. Um, I've definitely heard strange sounds in the woods and stuff like that that I couldn't really explain by just like hearing a deer or a bear walking through the woods. But I've never actually seen anything or like had an actual encounter. It's just kind of more of imagination kind of goes running sometimes when you're out in the woods and you hear weird stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the woods are, especially the deep woods, it's like oh, it's yeah. like a blank canvas for our conscious to project upon, but it's also be so much more as well. What sign are you? Do you know? Um, uh, Cancer. The only thing I know is my sun sign, and I'm a Cancer. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I love the Cancers. Cancers <laughs> are good in my book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I always expect can, all the water signs to be highly psychic. In my experience, they always are. When I have experienced a lot of maybe less watery that fall into uh, into over-explaining and needing the logic, again, depending on what else is going on in the chart, but just by nature, how psychic water signs are. Jerry's like triple water. <laughs> hmm. Amazing. With no fire. Yeah, with no fire. So <laughs> at some point, Jerry's going to be like, going <laughs> <laughs> to be? Well, I mean, it's going to take a minute. You're not quite. Uh, you need to be cured. It's because I'm, I'm, I'm a half NPC, half real. <laughs> Well, kind of, aren't we all kind of half NPC and half real? Exactly. I mean, no, there are people all, who... We're all NPCs to somebody. There are full NPCs out there. And there are full. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's look a little bit at the dead. And have you had dreams? So, I don't know how many dead and so, you know, everything can rest on that. Some people we've had on here that just haven't had a lot of death. Great. But if you have, uh, have you encountered them in the dreamscape? And did, by chance, so let's start it, let's start forward with this one. Did you experience dreams before they passed? Uh, no. No, I'm... I haven't had a whole lot of death in in my like life, but yeah, the people that did die, I didn't really have any premonitions about their their death. I didn't dream of. They were all pretty surprising. Did you have you encountered any of them since in the dreamscape? Um, not the human ones. I, I've dreamed about my my dead cats a few times. Well, those are just as important, you know that. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, just another avatar to be in, <laughs> the animal. Yeah, avatar. yeah. So, what can you give us some examples? Have them. Um, the the most like striking example is uh when I moved out here, I couldn't find a home for the two cats that I had, and my choice was basically to have them put down or just let them run. And they were indoor cats their entire lives, so I figured I had to put them down. And 
those two cats, I I had dreams about those cats for like three or four years after after they were gone. And what what were the dreams like with them? It was just they just appeared. They were just like the the like the regular narrative of the dream would be going, but they would be there, like as part of my life. Why did you leave us? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like it, it felt like I was actually honestly being haunted by those cats for about four years. Did how long had you had them before? Wait, wait, wait. Was this when you were having those crazy dreams too? Uh, no, no. This was after I moved to Portland. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, I had those cats for three or four years before I, I put them down. Okay. Yeah, that's so. It, so in the dreamscape, they just kind of picked up living life with you. Yeah, yeah. They didn't seem to take it personally that I yeah. put them down. Yeah, I mean, I I find this is one of the main things I find dead, whether they're or an, animal avatars life or human avatars, uh, is that the dreamscape is really has really shown me that these relationships just continue. We yeah. they just continue, and it's often my hang if I'm getting caught over. The death aspect, you know. I find that refreshing, and I hear that a lot from people. And this is just another example. It's one of those kind of nice things to hear. So, what do you think about this idea of of different states of consciousness that play out within this one life you're in? So, when we move you back to being the child up in upper Minnesota and then move you through these rough years in the factories and then all these fantastic dreams, less fantastic dreams. You're now at a happy place with a child and all this. What, where have you landed on the idea of death and how that all plays into this? Are you a reincarnation kind of guy? You're Luth you were Lutheran, so. Um, for me, I just honestly don't know. Um, the the weirdest thing is, is like in my art, I you would think that I definitely lean towards reincarnation because I've done at least three stories about reincarnation. And I've never been really big on the idea in my like in my conscious life, but definitely creatively, like it's where my my where my urges go. Uh, for the longest time, I just kind of thought that things ended. It was like like your energy would get released, and it would find some place to go. But there, like the essential you-ness, your individual person would just end when you die. But your energy would just keep going. Um, I mean, maybe that's kind of like in its own way, kind of incarnate. Did you find that the thought of that? How did you find the thought of that? That you just kind of in? I found it kind of comforting. The idea of just like that being it. I was pretty happy with that. Um, the idea of coming back, I'm not comfortable. With. Uh, Why? 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe it just kind of take. Maybe it feels like it takes some of the novelty away. Um, I don't know. It could be the, uh, the 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 worst part sometimes overshadow the better for me, and I just kind of think that I don't want to go through that pain again. Yeah. Where do you stand on the idea of of immortality? And and so there are a lot of ways that plays out. And so for for people that believe in reincarnation, that's of course a form of immortality. And then yeah. in then there's a lot of different kinds of immortality out in the old ancient ancient scripts and through different cultures where especially when we have very long-lived people through some of the oral traditions and some of the stuff we've read in the early scrolls that are living thousands of years you know i think of the chinese masters and all this uh is is there and then okay so I want to ground this temporary where we are now collectively with this idea of sim uh, reality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or holographic reality. And also tie in these threads of long life through medicines and science that are now right here at our doorstep. Where are you, how does this, you know, where does it take you visually, um, internally, you know, where's this ponder take you? I don't know. It sounds like to me, like immortality sounds excruciating. Why so? I, I don't know. I, I, I just have this feeling like maybe like 80 years and I'm, you know, it feels like a good solid amount of time to be on. And Let's other people have a turn. Um, it, it feels selfish to, to, to exist for a forever. Do you, so, and you know what? This is, and this is this is a time, a time of thought as well. A lot of people are talking about this. Maybe not completely in the vein in which we're tapping right now. But with say all the climate stuff and all of that, but given the idea of not to die in say hundred years, it and and with some sort of sense of transcendence of the experience we're having. So say you're grounded in your avatar, you come, you can come back here, but you're also now, and so follow me here, you're able mm -hmm. to step out of your body by locate at will through the activation of your psychic body, psychic sense, around that, and uh, move through the ether that mm -hmm. is around us into different states consciousness and go galactic with it and interstellar uh it it changes the idea food of the grind that we experience this life here and now and with that 
idea of an awakening self change for you or do you feel that that well i i think if it, if it was in the in the realm of like spiritual exploration and just the idea that like i'd basically be like a spirit astronaut i'd be yeah like, idea, like if i wasn't tied to like an an earthly avatar that was feeling you know anxiety and pain and things like that or you know like worrying about eventual loss of people around me and all of that if i was just like trying to explore and discover and everything was just about new dawn i'd be fine with that that'd be i, I would be very that well this is one of the this is one of those the idea of thinking from this perspective the perspective of an immortal gets one into is the loss of of loved ones and and so uh, i mean we see it in in great picture all over so there's there's that there's but imagine if they were two immortals and and again grounding all this come back to this this is your home base you come back to your eric polar avatar right yeah and so it's in a, in essence what you're doing is your eric Millar avatar does not that's that's base. and then the descendant goes out as awake and fantastic anything and so again the loved ones are at this particular state of evolution with you mm -hmm. does this in fact actually sound like lucid or out of body you like is there a, an onion effect here yeah, yeah, that definitely sounds kind of like uh, like out of body. I don't know what what popped into my brain was just thinking about like uh, again video game where it's when you turn the system off, is your character still living? Right. You know. So I I wonder in, in that situation we'd be the enlightened mm -hmm. enlightened spiritual like evolutionary leap from the uh, the player. Not the player, but from the, uh, the avatar on the screen. So, yeah, is there is there a player that's playing us? Yes, and that's that's kind of where I was trying to take you with this and this whole idea of your life experience through dreaming so far, and because you and you already experienced your dreamscape omniscient. Uh, which is interesting because a, a lot of people just go our first player like right behind the eyes, right? It's usually an option. Yeah. Games go behind the eyes or not, and uh, and that's an interesting query because a lot of people she actually choose to not be behind. Have the I can't remember what they call it. Where you're right, you're inside the character and you're looking from their perspective as opposed. to yeah. Decide, especially in Second Life, you know, you have that off. Yeah. Uh, 
But I'm trying to get at the point, or it's not the idea that what separates that from that idea from reality? How is it possible that's really happening? I could I could believe that. Um, I don't know, and it, it would seem kind of weird though for somebody to be playing the life that I've had, unless they're kind of sadomasochistic type <laughs> I don't know um, but I will say like in an oddly related thing when I was really really depressed I used to uh, fantasize about the idea that the way I was living my life would improve the lives of like parallel me's and other universes like my suffering was using the suffering of others like there was another Eric somewhere else that had a better life because my life worked. Because I was saving them from having to go through it. Kind of like in the, the mini worlds interpretation of like a parallel parallel Earth Eric whose life was better. <laughs> what about it's, this theory of that I'm seeing a lot more of now too, that all the characters on the planet, everyone that's a player here on Earth is they're all you. I can't remember what this is. Solipsism. Thank you. <laughs> what it, so, where you eventually move through and you have to go through all of them before you can get into the next one. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I I could see that. So, I've, I've, I've really kind of always wondered if reality is like real. So, I mean, it would kind of make sense in a way that if you're, like, everybody's experiencing the world through their own eyes. I mean, everybody's experience is different. My reality is slightly different than your reality. So, I mean, if if you go far enough into that hole, yeah, definitely where this kind of ideas you're having until you no longer have that idea and on. Well, they say, like, you, after you end this experience, then you have to play the janitor down the road. And when you're in that experience, you have to play you know, the lawyer down that road and on and on, like, which would seem like infinity. But at some yeah. point, when you're done playing all these characters or living all these lives, then at that point, you get to into the next level. And, but only through having gone through all this experience. Which and and I came to this asking this because of your perspective. Why would live your life? Yeah. Right. Why would you to to live that life? And yet, the stuff you know, the stuff you brought up earlier is just so significant. At least to the higher every breakdown at seven. A good thing, I think, since you made it out, and uh, and and you are where you are, is very. Yeah. It served a purpose, friendship, darkness of the soul, this uh, questioning, uh, you know, the almost existential of that. Yeah, I would definitely say that all of that made me a better person. And my life is as good as it is now because I went through all of that. But I, I, 
yeah, that like all that stuff definitely makes you learn how to measure things by a different. Right. Like I, I definitely like like happiness doesn't seem like something I should be striving for twenty four seven like a lot of people seem. It's not possible. It's just that's like a common yeah. misconception. Yeah, it's an odd. Like I don't understand people that think that they can be happy all the time. That seems so tiring and like self-flagellation <laughs> exhausting you know? yeah it sounds it sounds like when you try to masturbate too much <laughs> and it just hurts <laughs> <laughs> that's a good example <laughs> well in a way there i mean it's really good. i mean it really is it is what it is <laughs> do you have wet dreams no no have you ever had one not that i can remember oh i feel so Sorry for people that say that. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, they're so wonderful. I love them. <laughs> I had one once. I can't believe that. I have several. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had sex dreams. I've just, like, there's never been, like, an actual physical component outside the dream. Right, where you ejaculated or, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I never had that. Oh, man. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> so also okay so in here in this idea i also wanted to nail down how does the dreamscape look for you the architecture of it uh, you know all the just the mundane details are you able to read in dreams read script do you even encounter a script sometimes sometimes i actually encounter a script and i can actually read it um i don't remember it when i wake up but i know that it was letters and numbers and stuff um yeah, I definitely I do run into script. Um I dream in color also, never black and white. And do you so I think we got a sense of this earlier, but are there are there is there are there is there reoccurring not theme, reoccurring landscape, reoccurring architecture? Um, no, not usually. Um, like in a weird way, there's a reoccurring color theme where it seems kind of like washed out, but it's definitely still colorful. It's almost like uh like a Cohen Brothers movie where everything looks like it's like sand washed. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah. Uh other than that, no, I can't really think of any of that. And how often when you wake up is mood a factor after it, where it just affects your mood? Um, it happens once in a while. It's not that often anymore. It was definitely more common before, but like these days, my my dreams are usually so strange and surreal that I don't really they don't register as real, so they don't really affect my mood. Yeah, and I don't sleep that much as it is. So like my my general wake up mood stays the same, kind of like a dumb crankiness. Like awake. <laughs> so you're not a morning person. <laughs> Say again. So you're not a morning person. No, Harry, no, I'm you. kind of a morning person by force. Yeah, right, but your mood. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, I, uh, everyone's here. I wake up at five thirty every morning. Oh huh? my god, that's early. Yeah, I like six days out of seven. I'm awake at five thirty in the morning and then go to bed at midnight. So I don't sleep a whole lot. <laughs> Have you? Okay, so and then now looking back for your life and kind of traversed through all of this stuff have you have you ever been a heavy sleeper or have you always been a are you a light sleeper are you a heavy sleeper right now you say you don't get a lot of sleep that's the norm always fluctuated Uh, it's fluctuated i used to sleep a bit better um like this one like the way i sleep now is definitely due to being a parent and my son being like two and a half years old yeah yeah uh right before that i would get like a solid eight hours of sleep without problem like i was i was a super heavy sleeper for a while when i was younger i was a super light sleeper like the slightest sound or movement would wake me up and so okay and well that well why i ask these questions seem to not sometimes even the ponder so that the ponders about what is reality and all that it's not i have my own opinions of course change i'm looking at overlap in people in the outer world so it's uh, that's where i'm going with it I'm, I'm, the answers to me are are ever mutable and so mm-hmm. So I'm wondering also with with the totality of all of how thing about live there. I don't mind silence in a conversation. Uh, you how do you parse out now looking back what is attached to the work you do how the work you do now is informed by the things you've gone through in your past, your experiences through your dream life, waking life. And does any of your dream experience contemporarily participate or inform your work that you do in your current life? Um, oh, wow. Uh, I think it I think it's played a large part in how I do things now. I can definitely see like the 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 like the darker things that has had that have happened like in not just in my like life but in my mind that like I kind of interpret things in a in a darker lens. Like the the artwork I make now, I try as little to like think about it as little as possible and just kind of let my subconscious do all the work for me. 
so like usually when I like I make a story or make art or something like that, it's usually just whatever whatever comes out as kind of like an emotional vomit. And I mean, that can't be anything but the product of everything that's come before now. And like my my way of like spelling it or processing it. It's 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 like what I what I do now is a hundred percent the product of the past. I'm not sure if I got the question completely on that one. Yeah, well, I agree. I think that I I I come from that school too, but you'd be surprised at how some people will say it's not related. So I'm not here to judge. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean it's like I think a lot of people think too much when they create and like I would rather create based off not thinking and not trying to like logic my way. Like I'm not a big fan of letting your story telling stuff like that. Yes. So this I, is kind of where I was trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm much, I'm a bigger fan of like dream logic and stuff like that. Like I, I love David Lynch as mm -hmm. like, I would consider him one of my like biggest artistic heroes because he seems to be pretty, pretty brave when it comes to just putting down directly from his brain onto the screen. Yeah, oh, he's a fellow Minnesota and master. You need to talk oh, yeah. to uh, Nathan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so has, so do dreams, in, do dreams inform your work though at all? So have you ever woken up and from a dream and gotten it, you know, like, whatever image download that you needed to put forward or uh, anything like that. Do you feel like you've gotten downloads from dreams? Oh yeah. I, uh, when I used to primarily paint, because when I first moved out here, like I, I, I was trying to find my footing and I, I had recently picked up painting and I used to like lay in bed and just kind of go half asleep until images started popping into my head. And I just kind of like, as soon as a strong image popped into my head, I'd have to get it down on paper. And the first and only art show I did out here, I did 30 paintings in six months. And it was 100% just based off of things that came you know, subconsciously. It wasn't, they weren't anything that I was thinking about. It was just like, I was either half asleep or I was just letting my mind wander. and. Like I had to record it. That's amazing. And that's a lot of painting in a short period. Where'd you show? Um, it was at a sensory deprivation center in Southeast Portland called Float On. Oh, that is that's that's excellent. What medium did you um it was a com it was mixed media. It was it was a combination of watercolors, uh inks. And uh, every once in a while, acrylic paint. Excellent. I love. And this all came in that kind of fluid state. Yeah. All came in basically a rush. Amazing. I mean, that just feels, there's something that feels, when I hear that, and I, I experienced one of the things I like about 
I experienced this, like stuff just comes out and it, it's just coming and flowing. And that, that's like part of that muse, whatever that, the mystery of the muse. And when, when yeah. you're in that state, it's just, uh, it, there's a real sense of magic for me. There's spark. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. Me, me too. I, uh, I try to draw at least like once a day and get something down on paper, but like sometimes certain projects just kind of take over and like, I, I, I have to get them out. Like I, I, I work pretty fast generally. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like this last book. I like a book I just finished. I did a hundred drawings in 22 days. Yeah. I can, well, I love, I love your work, so, and there's something to just getting it out and doing it, mm-hmm. and, and then just as a, another creative person in the world, I'm just always looking, I can sense that, and use, like, quality in work, and I definitely get a sense of that in work, and so, when viewing, when viewing art, especially these days in my life, I let the train mind go and so I try mm-hmm. I really really it's like with all the psychological stuff in my life too the hot heavy psychology background I have I try to do yeah. divorce myself of all that I've tried to divorce myself of all that and when I approach art now I try to divorce myself from stuff I learned in school and just experience art in like on like psychic level and that's one of the things that was intriguing for me encountering your work was there's a real sense of uh, uh, soul I guess is the only word like the muse seems present in your work so I was definitely looking for digging into your your deep well being where where is that <laughs> where is that from and this conversation yeah. really brought up a lot. I see how the work is worth looking yeah. at a fast sketch of your life like this. Yeah. And like I, I always tell everybody that my art is most of it's autobiographical, it's just you can't really tell. Yeah. Like it all it all comes from something and somewhere. Like I've I've told people like there, I have a book that is straight up it's the most spiritual book that I I think I've ever made. Nobody sees it. <laughs> like, <I'm> really, <laughs> like, like people get people are confused by it. And I'm like, nah, it's in there. Yes, that is, that is basically like my personal Bible right there. You can't even. See. <laughs> yes, see, there's the that's the real magic, and this is this is this is the mute, and and that's how. But the people who do encounter it. Uh, you know, it can take them place. This is another yeah. thing I like to to ponder with people is the idea of art. When one approaches it and has their experience, I don't need you to tell me what you were thinking or where, mm-hmm. what, you shouldn't have to tell me what the art's about. I should be able to just, especially visual art, I should yeah. be able to look at it and have my own experience. And so, then if I want to know bio, I can go dig deep. And I get this from work. There's like my relationship with it 
uh, this comes forward and this deep inner world of yours is vital and also dark got a lot of dark oh yeah yeah i i've never been able to get that away like the shadows always kind of existed and oh but why would you want it you're you are giving yeah, it away though. yeah pushing it through to the art yeah yeah and i mean it honestly like all of that stuff makes me feel like a, a, a i feel better as long as i'm pushing it out yeah like it's, i'm a much more cheerful person when it's all coming out in that in that way <laughs> it's a poison out <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's the demons not poison Yes, the demons. <laughs> well, I just love that I Claudius line, let the poison catch out, but in one of those lines on and is yeah. a I'm wondering so before we get into what you're doing, where people can find and what projects we can look forward to, I'm wondering if uh Terry has encountered I haven't even looked. <laughs> been deep in the conversation. I don't know, no one's really asked anything like it. So we'll just put it out there if there are questions. So while we're waiting for any of those, give us so talk to us a little bit about the current work you have out and uh of which I'm familiar with, which is how you came to my scope. Uh but tell us about the current work you have out and then what we can forward to. Um I have I think at this at this time I have fifteen books in print of my work, um, and they range everywhere from like basic art books to comics and graphic novels to like the my favorite thing to work in is uh, surreal storybooks. They're like comics or they're like storybooks, but they're kind of a combination of the two. Um, my most recent book was the Disruption Generator. Where Which I is fantastic. Uh, I love it so much. Jerry got it. Yes, he did. He's he was one of my few hardcover purchasers. I love hardcovers. Yeah. Yeah, well, me too. Hardcovers are too. sexy. They just are. Yeah. I, I I personally I love them. It was it's only the second book I've ever put in put out in hardcover. Uh, usually because they don't sell that well. But like I love it. I thought it turned out great. And that was uh I made my own oracle over a span of eight months using a random word generator and uh, basically created my own divination system over the course of eight months. Um, previous to that, it, I made a graphic novel called Poison Trail, which in hindsight, I think was a, a super sigil to try and rid my house of pants. Um, yeah, my, my, the, the place my wife and I live in right now, um, had a really big ant problem. So I put myself in the place of the ants getting poisoned <laughs> and I did it in a sympathetic way. Just like, just basically tell the ants that we wanted them gone. And it was like a constant concern for me. And I turned it into a. 200-page graphic novel. Um, and then, yeah, previous to that, I just did a bunch of storybooks. The, one of my, one of the, seems to be everybody's favorite 
is uh, it's called Coyote Dreaming, and that is a reimagining of Looney Tunes as kind of a Book of the Dead. Or uh, as I like to think about, is Alejandro Jodorowsky doing a Looney Tunes cartoon based around uh, Wiley Coyote, where he uh, <laughs> dies and goes into the afterlife, with or without third stage guild navigators. Uh, without. <laughs> you didn't read Dune? Oh my god! I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't get through it, man. <laughs> I got like ten pages in, and I was like, I too much lore for me. I'm big into like the pulp stuff that's that's in and done in 110 pages. Uh, I totally hear you. Dune's intense. Dune's the world. <laughs> it's... Yeah. yeah, it was a little much for me. I might give it another try a couple years down. But... The, the other joke in there is that Jodorowsky had started a uh, a project to make dune into a movie oh yeah right. yeah i love that documentary about it yep yes. that's, that's, that's one of my favorite movies over the last couple of years it was so good yeah that would have been an epic movie oh god <laughs> i lament the they're idea. remaking it now they just wrapped filming recently are you serious Jared? yeah it's got real people in it like holy crap javier yeah, bardem is it Plays uh, well, Stilgar. The, the person that made Arrival is making it, right? Yeah. I'm yeah, that should be good. One. I'm so excited about it, though. Christmas next year, I think. Yeah. See, I but I I love the David Lynch movie. Like I do love the David Lynch. Dude. Me too. It's it's of pretty course. amazing. Yeah. The the new ver they you know do blah, 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 blah. do you know that the the original version is not the version that's out there now. The original version didn't have all that narration. Really? Yeah. I know. And moviegoers were completely confused because they, they don't know what's going <laughs> on. What did he bite down on? Who is this guy with the eyebrows? You know. Yeah. And they 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 went back and redid it with a narration layer, and which makes it far uh, better. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, yeah. I think it is necessary, especially when you're trying. What yeah. about so Eric? Like working, you're working on a project. How does it? How does that generally go? You know where you want to take it. Start uh, storyboard, storyboarding so and design. What's what's your general process? Um, my general process is I get a I get an idea. Um, just. I keep a notebook with me at all times in case something happens, in case I think of something. And when an idea really hits me, I usually write out a like a synopsis for myself. It's kind of a, uh, like, usually it's only like a paragraph long, and then I usually just start doing art. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't plan, but really, like when I did the 200-page graphic novel, I was never more than two pages ahead on my planning. I just kind of let things unfold as they go. Um, I'm not a big fan of planning. I don't really like to put too much thought into where something, like the process is taking me. Um, all of my art is done with like standard paper and pen. I don't, I don't work digitally at all. I try to like stay in the uh, the physical realm using pens and pencils. These days, I use shitty paper and shitty pens because I, I like the idea that art is 
I don't like the. That's the whole school. That's the whole school. Yeah, I I don't like the idea that it, that that there needs to be a pay gate on making art. Oh so. yeah, I agree. It, and, I mean, uh, it's a whole. It's amazing that movie. So I mean, there are artists that that are on rice paper just the last like, two years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know the paintings. Like when I did the art show and those thirty paintings I made in six months, half of those have probably melted down at this point. Yeah. The, the other thing is, like, I haven't, I've never had real art training. Like, I'm, I'm completely self-taught from reading comic books for thirty years, and uh, so I don't really know what lasts and what doesn't. Other than, like, I know I can't use Sharpies because they turn green. Right. Oh, your line work. Uh, this what drew me into your, your line work. Just a media. Thank you. This, it's been a lot, of, a lot of practice over the years. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You, get, you got there. What, you know, whatever yeah. hat you got there. And, but this idea, I'm not a planner either with my art. I am so, I'm not a planner in life. I plan now that I have my entire life. It's just yeah. around shows, you know, getting shows and stuff. But artistically, I need to be able to have sleep, allow narratives to kind of unfold. I think that's part of the dynamic aspect I sense, feel in work good to hear that. yeah well um like the book i just finished the art for just today um was initially going to be a 30 page book i was just going to do to waste time while i waited for uh like I'm, I'm making a comic with a buddy of mine and he's doing the writing and i'm doing the art um so i was waiting for him to finish the script so i was like i'll just do do a quick book it went from being a 30-page book to being 100 pages. And I drew that in 20 days. Like, initially, it was just supposed to be 30 pages. And then, like, the last sequence, because I thought of more interesting things, it turned from a 10-page sequence to a 40-page sequence. That's the muse and, to me, where it just all of a sudden it takes you somewhere. It, it becomes its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I definitely didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't my original idea where the guy's arms fell off and <laughs> turned into sperms that then impregnated his own eyeball <laughs> yes. and became a fetus of himself. Oh, I love how your mind works. So good. <laughs> it's so good. So, is this is what are we looking forward to? Is first going to be released public? Um, in about a. In about a month, I'll be re releasing. It's it's called Billy's Inferno, where it's a, a character that I've used previously, where he dies and goes to the afterlife and is eventually reborn. And that's the hundred-page book that I just finished. That'll be out in about a month, I think. Billy's Inferno. Yep. Yep. Like and the, then I like the idea. I like the title, especially. <laughs> Well, he, it's it's a sequel to a book called Billy in Seven Parts that I did a couple years ago, and like the the concept of the the character is that 
like life happens around him. Like he's not an active participant. He's basically an NPC. Right. You're saying that and you release for people that don't follow your Instagram and daily. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I try to do at least an, at least once a day. Are you doing it in October? Hmm? Are you doing an ink? No, that, that book was that, that book was my inktober. And you wrapped it early today. Yep, yeah. It was supposed to take me to the end of the month. I got a little ahead of myself. You should have sandbagged it. <laughs> and I can't. Once I'm once I'm in the flow, I, I gotta know. I gotta do it. I and know. Like I had a couple of days where I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do one drawing today and then I spent like two hours and I did like six drawings. Like some days I draw until my arm, until my hand hurts. <laughs> I love it's one of the one of my highlights. On Instagram getting on there lately, but popped out. So that's why I know. But I, you. you know, I, wait, what's Instagram? I've got a little bit like, explain it. You know, so that's coming out. What else? Um, I am also working on a comic. That's going to be, it's not going to be monthly. We're probably going to be maybe releasing an issue every like four or five months. I'm doing a comic called Worms Edition with uh, Alex Bolin of the Alex cast. Mm. You've heard of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I seriously invite him on. I, I don't think so. Weird. At this point, I don't know. But yes, I know who he is. Yeah, and I'm doing a comic with him. Um, I just recently did the book design for his uh, last short story collection, the uh, Theravada Machine. Uh, see, beyond that, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what my next personal project is going to be. Yet. Like, usually it ends up just kind of hitting me really quick. Like, Billy's Inferno hit me. Like, I, I started work on it like 12 hours after the idea really gelled. Like I, I wrote a really quick script and started working and got it done. And like I wrote and drew it. 20 kind of, usually my ideas just kind of come. So yeah, me you know, too. wait, wait six months and I'll have another book. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Same here. There's, I always have something. Well, what, it, plan? Sorry, Jerry. No, if you get bored, I have a comic book idea. I might've told you already. But if not, I got uh, no. I got a, I got a good one. If you want to send it to me, okay. Yeah, if you want to send it to me, I'll t- I always take a look at stuff. Okay. That was fun. I like good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> do you find that you do the seasons change the seasons like you have to work better? Are you feel like? Um, not that I can, not that I can tell. Um. Over the last four years, I've been working pretty steadily without much problem. I uh, like the weirdest thing for me is it's not necessarily the seasons. I I get a uh, a, a post project like depression. Like, I finish something and then it just like I just feel super low for a while. Like when I uh, when I finished the disruption generator, I think I had about three months where I just didn't want to do anything. It's postpartum. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I go through that. It's real. 
and especially stuff which uh, really felt like come out and force yeah yeah like I'm in that I'm in that stage right now like this whole series of and I know and it's been I don't know. I, you know, a lot of artists say that. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I actually kind of got that reading off of you by following your Instagram feed because you were putting up stuff like older projects you'd done. Yeah. I kind of got yeah. the I kind of got the feeling that you were uh, going through something. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm taking stock of what I mean. I've been working arts club eighty, and so and all over here on my Instagram, you know, lots of film did underground stuff painting you know and uh it's just interesting i've just been trying to take stock i guess right now so I'm at a little about what i'm doing <laughs> and i yeah. wish to look back amount of time even how huge body of work is because you never really think about it until you're digging yeah. through i mean i i'm like i go through this period where i'm like oh, i'm not and you, you look at prolific artists like you look at some prolific artists that just like have so much work then when you, you look back at your work after time like oh man I did get a lot of work so yeah I'm yeah. I find it interesting to pick up on is where I'm at yeah well and I, I also find it really interesting that you've gone through uh a lot of different like cycles almost like life cycles because I've, I've kind of done the same thing because in my my early to mid 20s I was really focusing on writing and I actually had like a short writing career Ooh, like that where I was uh, I was doing Lovecraftian horror story no surprise coming <laughs> yeah yeah i uh, i had a friend that was uh editing some anthologies and knew a lot of people so i had about like i got about a half dozen short stories put into anthologies at that time oh that's awesome but, yeah i ended up burning myself out on writing writing is a lot more it's a lot harder to go surreal and not really put much thought into process with writing yeah. Like if you, it's really easy to write a bad book. Oh, God. Mark, flooded. <laughs> just just yeah. read anything my brother wrote. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in the world. I'm completely oh, yeah. yeah. My first book. So, yeah, no, I've, so. I've definitely, I've definitely written a few really bad books. That I, I I put them out of print recently at a few books that I sell that were not like they were prose books and they were they were oh that you know prose thing I like to stick in I like to stay rooted or creative writing but realm yeah yeah uh, myself I love good prose for yeah me too I. I'm a very avid reader. Uh, I, you know, that was saying, 
that I had questions asked Yeah, I imagine you seem like you you the type of just the creator type, the soul type. So whatever it's gonna be, find a fresh. And oh, yeah. talking dreams with you is interesting. You brought a lot of. I was surprised by your. Dream that but some of it makes sense some of it doesn't and that's why we show i i i don't come in with expectations look over laugh and uh it it, it it's valuable especially looking at it work so that that was interesting. and i very much enjoyed this so thank you for coming on. Oh. Yes, thank you so much, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I, I, this has been great. Love this. It, it makes me look forward to uh, December even more. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Eric's going to be back in December on the Obelisk to talk about um, Jack Kirby and his his personal spirituality and how that you know moved into his work, his artwork, which was comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, I'm, I I would consider myself near expert for Jack Kirby. That oh, guy, I I'm I love that guy. And that's great. Did you hear our show last week with uh, Rachel Pollock? I did. Oh, it was a crazy, crazy synchronicity on that one. Her Doom Patrol was actually the first adult comic I read. I like when I saw that, I was so like over the moon. I was just like, holy shit! They're talking to the the person who wrote the first adult comic I wrote. <laughs> He's a freaking icon. And in so many ways, that's the thing that people don't realize about Rachel is she's had her hand in a lot of different genres. I mean, not some people yeah. just think of her as hero, you know? And so yeah, and it's and, I just think of her as the Doom Patrol lady. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how significant she is though. She's one of those one of those characters in our modern in a lot of places don't yeah i was i was super heartbroken when uh dc comics canceled the collection of her doom patrol run like i was so looking forward to getting my hands on that and putting it on my shelf yeah what's crazy sorry <laughs> what an issue robot i'm in? glad that you geeked out with Dan though I'm just glad yeah. that Eric geeked out on Rachel. Got it. My geek. Now, I had never heard of Doom Patrol until the TV show came out. Oh wow! You should check out the Grant Morrison run of that. It I, is. I have since bananas. acquired it. Scary! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm yeah. hoarding. I'm hoarding things. It's crazy. Yeah. Which reminds me of a crazy story. I need to tell you, Nish, when we get off. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, and, well, wait, how can people get a hold of it? Oh, right. Oh, um, I am at outletpress.com. That's where you can find kind of, it's kind of a landing page more than anything. Um, all my books are available on Amazon. I do, I do print on demand through Amazon. So it's basically, if you want one of my books, basically have to shop through them or contact. Point. You should use Lulu. 
I've tried quality of the stuff from Amazon is better. Really? Oh, good yeah. to know. Mm. Good to yeah, know. Yeah, the paper, the paper and ink quality is way better through Amazon. And wow. the, uh, the cost is the cost is less. Hmm. Interesting. Um, uh, hmm. Also, the disruption generator. You can you can see the entire thing on disruptiongenerator.com. And I am Outlet Press on Instagram. And yeah. I, I have put most of those links in the description and the show notes, and I will update it with the Instagram ones when I figure out what it is. <laughs> That's a running joke of mine. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And next week we have uh, Sam Shadow. Should be good chat. Yay for Sammy. Shadow Zone Productions. Shadow Zone Productions. So until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody.